Donut Bag is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Your data is your business. Protect it with ExpressVPN for three extra months free with a one-year package. Go to the link listed in my Twitter profile. The Penguins have recovered from a bit of a disaster, and I think for one reason. So I'm going to talk about that with Angie Carducci. Welcome back from Inside Hockey Magazine. Hey, great to talk to you. I think that one reason is Tristan Jari. He's carrying this team right now. Would you agree? Oh, I think it's pretty clear. And uh, who would have thought that a few months back, right? Yeah. So I, I couldn't love that storyline more. It's it's amazing. I, 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 I Well, I mean, what has changed? The, the, the goaltending coach, whatever that goaltending coach is doing, it's, it's working wonders because... He's just, he's, he might be like the top goalie in the league right now. Well, he's definitely up there and his stats prove it. You know, he's right up there with any of the top goalies in the league that uh, the Penguins, you know, when they, during the summer, when everybody was wanting to see them trade for a goalie and the kind of names you would think of as the top goalies in the league, he's right there with them now. So I know for everybody nothing matters until he gets to the playoffs and, and nobody's going to be completely convinced. Um, but as of right now, I, I think you're right about Andy Kyoto. I think that's a big, big part of it. And I, I really felt like when they finally did the right thing and sent Mike Buckley on his way, that was probably the biggest change the Penguins made organizationally um, between last year and this, because it, it was so clear that, they, they needed a change at the goalie coach position. When you have a couple goalies in a row who are sort of going south in the same manner in Matt Murray and then Tristan Jari, um, you know, it's, it's time for a new voice there. And it was clearly time for that and, and probably past time. So I, I think that was just an incredibly important and probably overdue move. And, and then, you know, Mike Sullivan was just talking today about how he feels like Tristan Jari's change in his game is really a direct correlation to his work habits, like practice and training camp. He, he has worked so hard on his game. And so it's just the habits that he's developed and how every day he's just working away at his craft. And, and this isn't just that he shows up to the games and miraculously he's a better goalie. It's, it's all of these habits he's developing when you're not seeing him, when he's um, you know, during the summer and, and then it practices and, and just really developing this solid foundation. So, um, you know, he can't be more praiseworthy of how he has developed and, and how he has really matured as a goaltender. So I think that bodes very well for how he could potentially um, evolve into the type of goalie the Penguins could depend on when they get to a high pressure situation like a postseason. I think you nailed it with that word matured. He, I think he's he's finally becoming mature. Took a while, but uh, you know, I think that was his the biggest knock on him is that he he had some immaturity in the past, and maybe he's finally working his way out of it. Well, you know, I, I think just when you see the way that he handles certain situations, like sometimes I'll, I'll see him, you, you can kind of tell that he desperately wants to. You know, overhandle a puck and go for a certain play like he he knows he's a really good puck handler and um, wants to kind of jump in there and make that move but 
he might make the more conservative move and freeze up that rebound. He's not allowing a lot of rebounds right now, which I think has been a really key to his game. I, I love how aggressive he's playing. You can just tell the confidence is brimming over. He's playing at the top of his crease a lot and challenging shooters. So that is just very, very evident in his body language. But I, I just think, I think that maturity is evident in those types of, of things where maybe the, the more flashy play he, he might be wanting to make, he's going to not make at the, at the expense of make the more conservative play that is probably safer for the team. Um, I thought for me that the really, the biggest thing I saw from Tristan Jari this year was his composure in that game the other night against the New York Islanders, because if there's one game where he is going to potentially have a problem with dealing with that mental situation, that would have been the game. I think I agree. I think that game was huge um, after everything that happened last year to go up against that team again and just shut them down. That that had to feel really good. That's just <laughs> I I'm you know we will always wonder you know we will always wonder it's like okay yeah you're doing well now but what are you going to do in the playoffs? But still beating the team that that did that to you I think that's major. It's really really big. I, I was so excited that you know they had back to back games going in and you kind of looked at it and, and thought okay well will they give him the start at home against Montreal the next night? or give him the start against the Islanders. And I thought it was kind of a no-brainer to give him the start against the Islanders. That's a divisional opponent. That's the game that is the more important game. Montreal is a terrible team. So if you're going to give Casey to Smith, who hasn't been very good, a game, uh, that is the game to give him. But more importantly, I think you give Tristan Jari that chance. I think you give him the chance at redemption. And he either sinks or swims. And... That night, he really could have gone in, you know, obviously it's a different building that they've moved into um, in this past year, but it's still, it's the same situation. You're playing the Islanders at their home. It's a pressure packed situation. And this is a situation where last year you crumbled and you just, you, you nearly got yourself run out of town for it. So it couldn't have been a worse playoff performance for him. And I think giving him the opportunity to potentially redeem himself for it was so important. And, uh, you know, he, he really did that. If he was going to show a crack in the newfound maturity, that was, that was going to be the game. So really impressed with how he handled it. And uh, I think it just bodes incredibly well for him. But as impressive as Jari has been, the Smith has been just really not good. And Yes, it's great to play Jari a lot, but I mean, aren't they aren't they in danger of him burning out? Yeah, I'm really concerned about that. The other night, I was looking at the goalie stats and sorting on you know different uh, columns of goalie stats just to see how high is Jari, you know, in terms of save percentage and goals against, and you know, in relation to other goaltenders. And the one stat that really jumped out at me was the minutes played because at the time I saw he was over a thousand, was like a thousand forty three. Um, this was the night that Casey DeSmith was playing against Montreal. And I saw, wow, Tristan Jari's over a thousand minutes. There's no other goalie that's, you know, showing four numbers. Everybody else is in the 900s or, you know, less. So that to me was really concerning. And I think when you, 
have a goalie playing that much, you do run the risk of burnout. And a lot of goalies love to play a lot of games. Like I remember Marc-Andre Fleury was always like that. He loved to be in the net as much as he could and, you know, thrived on that. And I think Tristan Jari does too. But the problem is, if that's a consistent way it's going to be and he's not going to get time off, not only could he get burned out, but he could also get injured, you know, overuse of your body could potentially result in that. So I think that's something to be very concerned about. And I think if you can't trust Casey to sniff in net, then you've got a problem and probably have to go looking for another solution. And, you know, it might be, it might not be a situation if you have to go out looking for another solution. They have Louis Domingue in the AHL, who has been a very competent goalie at the NHL level with a good team in Tampa Bay. So I'm surprised we didn't see them try him when he was briefly up recently and just kind of see what you have, because that's a guy you might need at some point. And I don't know why you brought him in if you weren't going to try to use him. So I, I think that might be a potential solution as a backup. I don't know that he could be much worse than what Casey DeSmith has shown through a few games. Is the Smith on a, but can he be sent down or would he have to clear waivers? I'm not exactly sure how that works. In the I'm, pretty sure he, I'm pretty sure he has to clear waivers, okay. um, but you know, I mean, it, <laughs> who's going to want him? Well, at this point, exactly. He's not really <laughs> shown himself to be a particularly viable backup candidate. So I'm, I'm not sure that you're going to risk losing them um, on those waivers if you if you send them down. So I, I think you go ahead and take that chance. And, you know, at, at this point, they they may face this situation where they decide to outright wave him. He, it's not just this season and the few games he's played where he has not been particularly strong for them. This goes back into last season. So I think we do have to look at the idea that Casey Smith has potentially regressed a little bit. And if that's the case, like you, you have to figure out what your solution here is because you can't keep riding Tristan Jerry. Like Mike Sullivan talks about riding him because he's the hot hand. And I think that's partly true, but I think the other part of it is that he doesn't trust his backup goaltender and that's a concern. Right. Right. I mean, when you're where the penguins were at in the standings, they didn't get off to a strong start. You need to just win a lot of games. So it makes sense for now, but yeah, can't do that forever. So no. we'll see. The other big surprise this season is Evan Rodriguez. Where did this come from? He's like, <laughs> he's, he's like, like it's in terms of like advanced stats, he's, off the roof. I mean, he's like among the, the the best in the league. What is going on here? Yeah, I'm not sure where exactly this came from. Like, he has really just found another level, and I I'm so impressed with him. I'm so impressed with just a, a lot of elements of his game. I think the element that I like the most in his game. Sidney Crosby was talking about this the other night. He was talking about how the difference between when he has Brian Rust on his wing and when he has Evan Rodriguez on his wing. Um, Cause of course, Brian Rust is injured again right now. And Rodriguez has moved back up into that slot. And he said, you know, they're, they're similar in terms of their speed, but you know, Evan has a lot of poise with the puck. He just kind of, you know, uh, very intelligently will 
look around the ice, kind of see what the play is and take his time and have patience with that puck. And I, I think that has, to me, been the most impressive part of the game. He will really seem to see the ice and see, you know, do I have a pass? Do I have a shot? When he has a shot, it's so definitive and, and it seems like he has so much confidence that he's working with right now based on the season that he's having, um, which I really like. He doesn't defer to, oh, it's Sidney Crosby, so I better take the pass. You know, if he has a shot, he's going to take it pretty definitively, which I really like. Um, but, you know, he, he's always kind of looking around the ice to see uh, see what the play is and, and seems like such a smart player, whereas Brian Rust um, also in many ways, uh, you know, not undermining his value at all, super valuable player as well, um, but is more prone to kind of go direct to the net and uh, that's his approach. So it, it's just been really neat to see Rodriguez develop into this type of player. And I've been impressed too with what I've seen with him off the ice. He seems like he's really developed into a bit of a leadership position with this team. He's, he speaks up a lot. He's one of the players who's brought out to speak to us a lot after the games anymore. And part of that is a product of him being one of the people you want to speak to because he's producing. But I think part of that too, is that he simply enjoys that process and enjoys offering his insights on the game. And um, there, there's just a lot of leadership there on and off the ice. So I, I'm not sure what switch looked there, but it's been pretty impressive and, and fun to see. Um, he, he does remind me actually a lot of Rust in terms of all he can offer and how he can play a bunch of different positions, a bunch of different lines, and slide up and down the lineup, play on both of the special teams. So I, I think this is really good timing that he's developing his game like this because keep in mind the Penguins have Brian Russ coming up on a free agent, you know, uh, coming up into his free agency after this year. And if you can't afford him, I, I'm not saying Evan Rodriguez is, you know, equivalent to Brian Russ, but he's certainly checking a few of those boxes. If you can't find Brian Russ, at, at least you have a player that is kind of filling that gap right now. Yeah, but unfortunately, I think Rodriguez is also his contract is up, so they might. But I don't uh, think he's going to make what Brian Russ makes. I don't oh think yeah, he's make that's, that true. that's true. That's true. Uh, could be <laughs> I think a, Brian uh, Russ is going to get a boatload of money. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true because I think when they signed him to that contract, I think he was not the player he is now. So not yeah, even close. they got they got a bargain there. So. Yeah, I really don't get the. I I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll figure it out somehow. But I, I just uh, for a while now I've kind of been dreading seeing Russ come up on free agency because I maybe maybe him being injured all year this year will drive his price down. <laughs> maybe Could that be. will turn out to be something be. good because yeah, I yeah. But for a while I just kind of have been look, watching his last couple of years here and shaking my head thinking, wow, it's going to be a shame to see that guy walk because <laughs> didn't feel like there was really going to be much of an option of, other than that. Well, uh, speaking of the future, I mean, they just had an ownership change. Do you think that there will be big changes into, you know, to like, are they going to, you think they'll make major changes or they'll, they'll stay the course? Do you think they'll keep um, Hextall and Burke in the front office? What do you I think, think every, there? 
I think everything's going to be open for evaluation. You know, I, I think I think it's going to start out looking like it looks right now. And I know a lot of people are concerned about Liz Hang hasn't been re-signed long-term. Malkin hasn't been re-signed yet. And wondering if those guys could be potentially, you know, casualties of this and, and could end up walking. But I, I think for me, I, I think it's all a good thing. I think for a while the Penguins have been in this situation where they've been like that that term friends of Mario gets thrown around a lot, you know. And I, I think there is a lot of an element of that where this team has has been very built on loyalty and you know, people and, and all NHL teams do this. Like all NHL teams have people in positions who have been previously important to that organization and they elevate them, either they retire and they get elevated into a front office in that organization. And, and that happens everywhere. But I think, um, I think it's just kind of one of those situations where maybe a set of fresh eyes coming in could really help. And the Penguins are getting to a point in their history where they are not going to be Stanley Cup competitors forever. You know, they are running toward the end of that time that they could be considered viable candidates to compete for the Stanley Cup. And the Fenway Sports Group does not make a habit of long rebuilds. They like to rebuild on the fly. They, they don't like, you know, a long rebuild means you're losing money. It means people don't want to attend. People don't like attending losing hockey and or losing sports in general like that's that's when you get empty arenas and even the penguins this year i think you've seen a little bit when they've been struggling and when they've been missing key players like crosby and malkin you see a situation where they've had a hard time selling out games and i think Fenway wants to sell out that arena and they want to get fans excited again so they want to win so if winning if to win, what you have to do is potentially sacrifice maybe a popular player to get a handful of, you know, maybe less big name players who, who could immediately hit the ground and contribute to a quick rebuild. Maybe that's an organization that's going to consider that and not have the ties and the long-term loyalty to the players and the personnel that this organization has had thus far. So I, I think having those fresh eyes come in and maybe take a look at that is going to be interesting. And I, I think it's a good thing. I think if you're a Penguins fan and you'd like to see them win, that's a good thing. If you're a Penguins fan and you have a specific player that you never want to see leave, Maybe, and I'm not saying, and apparently, you know, Fenway is interested in signing both Latang and Malkin long-term. Um, that's what they're said to prefer. So maybe neither of those guys is even on the table. But um, I, th I think as a fan of a sports team, you just can't get too tired to players. And you have to, you know, what, what's the goal? You want to see your team win. And, and I think this organization is going to want that. So um, I think they'll keep it status quo for a little bit and evaluate. But I think the loyalty is not 
going to be exactly what it was under the old ownership and even though they'll still be involved and you know is that that bad yeah it'll be very interesting to see how that all uh works out yeah it's interesting that lemieux and burkle still be involved in the team so uh yeah it is yeah, I'm, I, I'm surprised about burkle i didn't think he would still be involved i, right, I never right. never saw mario leaving I, I knew you know they they were not even if in name only they had to keep him on board but um kind of thought this was going to be their opportunity to cut ties with burkle and and that he was going to take the money and run frankly but um yeah apparently not yeah yeah that'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out and i mean this is as a penguin fan i believe this is my fourth owner that, I, that i've seen uh so i mean obviously you, you've been through some bad ones <laughs> yes yes uh boy people hated debartolo in the 80s i remember, I remember uh when, when they did win the, their first Stanley cup it's like okay here is owner um Oh and the Bartolo and, and, and people booed. So, yeah. um, but still, he was he was an oh. angel compared to Baldwin. So, um, oh you know. yeah, I, he definitely he was uh, he was not great, but compared to Baldwin, absolutely. Because, but you know, hey, we have Howard Baldwin to thank for Mary Lemieux owning the Penguins. So, you know, there's that. Right, right, <laughs> because he screwed over Mario so bad, it almost <laughs> almost screwed him out of all those millions of dollars. <laughs> Mario had no choice but to buy the team so he could get his money. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. You know, I I have to say, more power to Mario. Like that. seeing him get the amount of money he's getting in this sale, and turning that, you know, that investment into this is pretty incredible. And he honestly deserves it. He deserves oh, yeah. every cent. Yeah, that's uh. Yeah, I think he bought it for like a hundred some million and selling it for about nine hundred million. It's like, oh, that's that's a nice profit. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you know, and and buying it because you were pretty much forced, um, as opposed to really wanting to get into the business of owning a sports team. So, yeah. But, but <laughs> even even so, you know, he could have been like an absentee owner. He could have been just like, oh, I'm just here for the money or whatever. And I mean, he was very. Well, he he seemed to really care, and you know. Oh, out, he he's there every game. I I I see him there almost every single game, and uh, I I think he genuinely cares very very much, and could not be more hands on in terms of being interested and involved with what this organization is doing. So I'm sure they will still be very interested in his input into the future of the organization. And that's another reason I don't think Penguins fans should be too worried about, oh, these Boston guys are coming in and, you know, buying the team. Like, yeah, okay. So, you know, Boston, but obviously very vested interest in an organization that's been very successful in Pittsburgh, has a very, very hardcore fan base, and which is the only reason they're interested in the Penguins is, is how, successful the penguins and their fan base have been and uh and are clearly still going to have somebody in mario who cares very much and is still going to be very involved it's a credit to the franchise that that's the one that they wanted that that you know you know they i'm sure they could have had some other teams but they they chose uh the penguins so it's you know you you look at their track record you look at the uh you know, attendance numbers 
what's what's not the love about this market? Absolutely. It really does speak well of the franchise and all they've done to this point. And uh, if you look at just the price tag on the sale, um, you know, it, it sets a new standard for the sale of a hockey team. I, I'm kind of astonished that an NHL franchise is fetching this kind of money. Right. Um, but it really speaks to what they uh, perceive as the value of this franchise. And, uh, and, and that this is a franchise that, you know, has, you know, a few more years potentially of Sidney Crosby, of Getty Malkin, you know, um, maybe Chris Letang, but um, not forever. So I, they're buying into an investment that is a future of how this organization has been run into the building that they're committed to for almost 20 more years. So there's there's definitely a lot they see and like in how this organization has been handled to this point. So, um, yeah, I think Penguins fans should be pretty excited that an organization like that was interested. Yep. Yep. Uh, do you have all your Christmas shopping done? I have nothing done. I have absolutely <laughs> nothing done. So yeah, it's going to be a bad, uh, it's going to be a bad December for me. I'm going to be scrambling a lot, but okay. it'll, it'll be okay. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm looking at your Instagram because you're basically like, maybe like one of the best Pittsburgh uh, reviewers yeah. of uh, stuff. And <laughs> yeah, you. you're right. You're you, you, the places you go, you're eating. So <laughs> there's no shopping <laughs> going on. Well, that is true. Definitely. Um, there has been not a lot of shopping yet, um, but I, yeah, I definitely want one thing that is good is that I'm probably not going to be too concerned with things like, you know, the shipping delays and everything that you hear about because I'm really into shopping local and supporting local businesses. So there will probably be a lot of, you know, buying from local businesses, shopping locally in person. And um, I'm not going to have to worry too much about that, but there's going to be the actual process of having to get out and do it. <laughs> so, we, so there's that. There needs to be more recognition of, of all the local shops because there are so many coal shops in the pittsburgh area they're just oh yeah there's amazing shops and then i really like like all of these people that are out there doing like like handmade stuff like uh you know like crafters and vendors and so on like we have so many people that are doing amazing um you know jewelry and, and just different types of um like i have I have different local vendors that I buy all these specialty products from. Like last year, one of my my big gift was I was sending gift sets of, of like these local olive oils and vinegars and um, and salt, like uh, like salts and seasonings to people because I thought last year was a year a lot of people were spending a lot of time at home and cooking a lot more at home so i'm like yeah. okay this is a great idea for a gift and these are local vendors that i really love um this weekend on saturday i'm planning to go to the uh, handmade arcade down at the convention center so that's open to everybody and they're going to be i think there's going to be like 200 of these local vendors there um so i'm super excited about that um what is this i haven't i haven't, I haven't heard of that yeah, Handmade Arcade. They do it online for like a weekend. I think that was last weekend. And then um, this weekend, it's going to be in person. I think it's both Saturday and Sunday. But yeah, if you search for Handmade Arcade, um, it's at the convention center and you can find a list of all the vendors that are going to be there. And they basically have almost anything you can want locally. Um, 
you know, any types of products and they're either hand making them or they're sourcing them, but, you know, it's just a great place to find like all of these great local vendors together in one place and support locals. So I think, uh, I think that's awesome to do. And then another place and some of these same vendors will be there as well, but much smaller scale is, um, is the holiday market and market square, which I have to get to, but that's going on right now too. And usually closes on Christmas Eve. So um, that's oh, a great boy. place to make it to as well. My, we went to that holiday market in market square, I think a year or two ago. Uh, but I didn't realize that a lot of those places just take cash. And I found these really nice earrings for my wife, but I couldn't get them because I didn't have, I just had a credit card on me. And she's yeah. reminded me about, I don't know, about 500 times in the past couple of weeks. It's like, <laughs> Hey, we got to go down there. You remember those earrings that you didn't get? So oh my. <laughs> she's like, and this time bring cash. So. Oh. Well, I never carry cash. Like, so I, yeah, I'm yeah, horrible about either. that. But they, so there's definitely, there's definitely an ATM like in Market Square. So like you can definitely get cash if you're, if you're short. There you go. But, yeah. um, you know, but I think a lot this year, I think you might find a different experience because a lot of vendors who didn't previously take cards have started taking cards because of COVID. Like they really don't want to be handling cash. A lot of people don't want to be handling cash. So they're dealing in, you know, cars now and, and they're using those little, uh, uh, oh gosh, whatever. Like the those thingies, I, I've seen them, those thingies you put on your phone that basically makes yeah. your phone like a cash register. And exactly. I've even seen that you don't even have to give your credit card. You could just do like the Apple Pay thing or just pay with your phone kind of exactly. thing. So yeah, there's, it is It is a lot more people, advanced. I know the, uh, the, uh, olive oil vendor I mentioned that I really like um, Olive Amarlo. She has a, um, when she's at a market, she has a sign up and it says Venmo me and she has her Venmo address right there. there. You so go. if you buy from her, that, that yeah, too. You, yeah. just right then you can just send her by Venmo, like the amount that you owe her. And that's that. She'll have like that little QR code. You just scan it and just send her the amount of money that you owe her right there on the spot. So yeah. yeah, a lot of them are coming up with creative solutions like that. So um cash should not, I mean anybody who's still doing dealing exclusively in cash, come on. Like right, like, right. Yeah. That's yeah. that's basically one thing that's gone away with this uh pandemic is I mean, like, like you go to you go to a penguin game. I don't think you I don't think it's no, possible to give cash, cash anymore. anymore. Yeah. They even even like yeah. if you want to grab a beer from someone that's it, it's all uh credit card or whatever. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. I, what I found funny this past summer at uh, Pirates Games is they were doing reverse ATMs. Like if you had cash with you and didn't have a card, you could go to this reverse ATM and put in your cash and they would give you basically like a loaded value. Wow. Like, like a temporary debit card type situation that you could then go around to the stands and use because they're not taking your cash. Yeah, huh. I've never seen that before. Reverse ATM. So yeah. yeah, people are definitely getting away from cash. So I think you might find a different ex- experience if you go to one of those markets now. But yeah, I better I better go there. And I hope those earrings are there because my <laughs> my wife will not will not stop bugging me about that. But there is right. a lot of those same vendors that come back every single year to the yeah. Square one. Yeah, so I'll bet. Yeah, I'll bet. Fun. I'll bet they do. I'll bet. I'll bet they'll still be there. But hey, I want to hear awesome. an update on this. <laughs> I will. I will do. I'll give an update. Okay. Well, hey, thanks, thanks so me. much. Oh yeah, thanks. Always great to talk to you. Uh, great. Yeah, hope all is well with you, and and I'll talk to you later. Well, thanks so much. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.